Welcome to Friendship. I want to say welcome to those of you in the room. We've also got people that are joining us online. I'm looking at the camera. Also people in our family room next door. So I want to say hey to the kids and all of those folks over there. Man, I'm so glad you're here. We're in week number two of the series called Who's Your One? And it's all about our personal responsibility and our personal privilege that we have to share the good news of the gospel with others. We're living in a year full of bad news, right? But we are to be good news people, and we have the best news ever, the news that Jesus is Lord, that he's better and stronger than anything that we face. Amen? All right, that was a good amen early on in this service. Good job. All right, so we're in this series. Um, One of the tools that I referenced last week was this 40-day Bible reading plan in the Bible app. If you want to jump on there and do that, Pull, uh, pull up your Bible app and you can search for the 40-day devotional, Who's Your One? Um, but, you know, we talked about last week that God wants every single person to have a lost and found story. That we're all born into this world lost or separated from God because of our sin. That's the bad news. But the good news is that, that Jesus came on a rescue mission to find us, to rescue and redeem us. And so we move from being lost, separated from God, to being found in relationship with God through Jesus. And God wants every single person to have a lost and found story. So hopefully you've been praying about who your one is. What that means is we, we're all looking to have at least one person that we're praying for, that we're doing what happened in Luke chapter 15, that we, we love someone who is lost and that we're going after them with the good news of the gospel. And you know, we, we see, maybe you've, you've looked up here, you see this front stage kind of littered with some cards. Um, these are the names of ones from our first service. Now, at the end of the service, we're going to give you a chance to write down the, the name or the initials of your one and lay them on the altar so we can begin to pray over these ones that God is going to use us to reach. And so hopefully you're, you're praying over that. Our goal is to, at the end of this year, at the end of 2020, which we're all rooting for, right? We're waiting for it. At the end of this year, we want to be able to celebrate with what we call a prodigal party, a prodigal party. Again, like Luke chapter 15, where the lost have been found, and it's a picture of of those who are far from God coming to Christ. And so we're going to have a prodigal party at the end of this year. I don't know what that's going to look like, but I don't know what the world's going to look like at the end of this year in a couple months, but we're going to celebrate. We're going to, hopefully, our goal is to celebrate two, two, not two, I'm shooting really low now, all right? 10 new lost and found stories, all right? Two would be awesome. 10 is way better, right? So we're gonna shoot for 10 new lost and found stories. So those are, will hopefully be the stories of your brothers and sisters, mothers, fathers, children, coworkers, classmates, teammates, your ones, all right? That is what we're shooting for, is to celebrate at the end of this year. Here's the cool thing about today, is you're going to get to hear the story of one of our own who's talking about their one from last year. And so what this uh, friendship family member is going to share is way better than what I'm going to talk about, but you're stuck with me for the next few minutes, all right? So we're going to talk about this. Here, here's, here's the thing. Maybe you have a one. Hopefully you have a one. You've been praying for your one or who your one is. Maybe you don't have one person yet. Uh, I want to ask you to do this. Keep praying and keep listening and keep asking God. Don't give up. Keep praying until God gives you one person and he puts that person on your heart. But once you have your one, maybe you already have your one, 
Once you have your one, the next step is to go after that one. Just like we saw in Luke chapter 15 last week, like the, the lost sheep that was found and the lost coin that was found, we, we see in those stories that you love the one and then you go after the one. So here's, here's the process. Here's what we're working through. Last week we talked about finding your one. This week we're talking about serving your one, okay? And then next week we're going to talk about telling your one. We're talking about gospel conversations. If you were here a year ago, um, you may remember we walked through three circles. I drew them out on a whiteboard. We're going to revisit that again because I think it's so important to talk about how do we have conversations with people about Jesus in a way that um, is impactful and uh, uh, helpful and not weird. All right, so we're going to talk about that next week. But find your one, serve your one, tell your one. So this morning we're going to talk about serving your one serve your one. And I want to look at 1 Corinthians 9. I want to look at a few verses here. 1 Corinthians 9 verses 19 through 23. And let me, let me give the context for what's going on in 1 Corinthians 9. The Apostle Paul, he's written this letter to this church in Corinth, and there's all kinds of things going on in this church. I'm losing my voice. I'm still working up to two services, y'all. Okay, it's coming. 1 Corinthians 9. Thank you. Fill in, the, fill in the dead space, the dead air. So here's, here's what's going on. Paul's writing this letter to these believers, and Paul is talking about his way of life, the way he lives. And the way that Paul lives is self-denial for the good of others. So, so Paul is willing to deny himself and, and, and different things in his life so that he can uh, reach others for the good of others. So 1 Corinthians 8, before we get into chapter 9, let me set it up with 1 Corinthians 8 verse 13. Paul says this, they're talking, they're having this conversation about food, food that's been, been offered to idols. And Paul says, therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. So are you, are you, are you getting Paul's attitude? Like if there's something that I do that offends or causes my brother or my sister to, to stumble or to fall, I'm going to consider my ways and I'm going to change. Why? For the good of others. Self-denial for the good of others. So this is Paul's attitude in the way that Paul approaches life. Okay, so in 1 Corinthians 9, let's jump there to verse number 19. Paul says this, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. And so I just want to point out over the next couple minutes four things that we, we kind of see in the way that Paul approaches life. Okay, so the first thing is this, that, that Paul used his freedom to serve others. Paul used his freedom to serve others. If you look back again at verse 19, he says, though I am free from all, 
Okay, I am free. I am not bound to anyone or anything. Though I am free from all, I have made myself a what? A servant to all. So Paul says that I, uh, my freedom isn't for me. Freedom isn't to please myself. The freedom that I have, I'm going to use it to serve others. And so this is Paul's mindset that, that I want to serve others. And so with a freedom that I have, I'm not going to use it to please myself. I'm going to use it to serve others. Here's a second thought. He, he wasn't two-faced, but he was single-focused. He wasn't two-faced, but he was single-focused. When you, when you kind of read through here, you see in verses 19 through 22 that, that you know, to the Jews, he says, I became as a Jew um, in order to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law. To win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became. So he's, he's adapting. He's, he's relating to people. He's not being two-faced and just changing depending on his audience. What he's doing is he's, he's being single-focused. Uh, there's a word that he uses five times in this little passage. I don't know if you saw it. It's in blue. The word win, over and over, he says, I became um, a, a Jew as a Jew in order to win Jews. I, I became as one under the law that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law. Why? So that I may win them. And, and over and over, he uses this word win. He was single focused. In other words, his goal was to win others, to win them to Jesus, to win them to God's kingdom. He was trying to win them over. Okay, here's a word that we don't use a lot in, in 2020, um, but, but a word I believe that, that typifies what Paul is talking about. It's the word winsome. Have you ever used that word at all or heard it used? To be winsome. Uh, here's what it means to be winsome. It means to be engaging or inviting or pleasant. Okay, that's a key word, to be winsome. So a lot of times if you're, if you're reading stuff online or engaging with people, we don't tend to be winsome people. We're like, we're very opinionated, which is okay. We're meant to have opinions, but we're not very winsome. We're not very inviting or engaging. It's like, here's what I believe. Here's what I think. And if you don't agree with me, you're an idiot, right? That's not winsome. And what Paul says is, is I become like who I'm speaking to, my audience. My goal is to win them over. So I want to be engaging. I want to be inviting. I want to be pleasant, even if we're not on the same page. Do y'all realize that you can disagree with people and still be pleasant? <laughs> I don't know if y'all know that. Um, I think you do. We all, it is possible to disagree, to even disagree fundamentally about something and still be winsome. Okay, it is possible. If, if we put aside, if, if our agenda, listen, if we're single focused and our single focus is to win an audience for the gospel, is to represent Jesus. And this is what Paul says. He wasn't, he wasn't two-faced. He was single focused. He wanted to win others. And so he thought about the things that he said and the things that he did because he was single focused. Here's another idea that we see in Paul's life. He couldn't win everyone, but he could win some. Look back at verse number 22. He says this key phrase here, I have become all things to all people that by all means I might, what? Save some. Okay, Paul knew, I can't reach everybody. I can't win everybody. I can't relate to everyone. Not everyone's going to hear me. 
Not everyone's going to listen to what I have to say, but you know what? I can win some. I can win some. And that's the idea behind this message is like, you don't have to win everyone, but who is your one? Who's your one? Uh, so Paul, he couldn't win everyone, but he could win some. And so if each one of us could reach one, if each one of us could play a, a small part in expanding the kingdom of God, man, God would, would continue to reach people. And so here, here's, a, here's a fourth thought from Paul's life. <clears throat> he wanted to share the blessings of the gospel that had transformed him. Okay, this is really the motivation for Paul. This gospel, the good news of Jesus, had so transformed and turned his life upside down that now he comes along and he says, verse number 23, I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. This gospel that had changed my life. I want to share it. I want to share in the blessings with others because of the gospel. And so Paul, you know, he served and he found a way to relate to others in order to win an audience with them, in order to win an audience with them for the gospel. So everything that he did, everything that he said, he was always mindful. Okay, if I do this or say this, if I'm not winsome, is this gonna, am I gonna lose an audience for the gospel? Are they gonna look at my life and go, I don't wanna hear what you have to say. I don't wanna hear about this God that you claim to follow. And so he was single focused. He wanted to share the blessings of the gospel that it transformed him. And you know, Paul understood something incredibly important. It's this, to win others, we have to be winsome. To win others, we have to be winsome. And, and here's, here's what I would say, uh, you know, about Christians in general, okay, in 2020, is because, we, because our single focus isn't to win people to Jesus, because we don't think about winning people to Jesus, we think more about expressing our opinion and being right, we don't win people because we're not winsome. But if we, would, if we would turn our mindset to be like Paul, where our, our focus is I wanna represent, represent Jesus. I wanna love people to Jesus. I wanna serve them. I wanna do it for the gospel so that I could share in the blessings with them and rejoice with them. Then it'll change how we approach people. It will be winsome. To win others, we have to be winsome. And what's more winsome than serving others the way that Christ has served us? Y'all, what could be more winsome than serving people? And remember the order that I gave earlier. Find your one, serve your one, and then tell your one. And so as we serve people, as we love them, we win an audience with them to give them the good news of Jesus. And so if you have your one, or once you have your one, how do we, how do we serve our one? I want to give just seven kind of ideas um, on how we can serve our one. Because once we've identified our one, then we've got to let them know that we care by serving them, okay? And so let me give you seven kind of ideas. And some of these you're going to listen to and go, I would never do that. And, and somebody else would say, that's perfect for me. I want to do that. Okay, so I'm just going to throw out seven different ideas um, to hopefully just kind of spark your imagination and get you thinking about how to serve your one. Here's, here's the first thought or idea. Take them out for a cup of coffee. How many, how many of you in here are coffee drinkers? 
would absolutely go out. Okay, most of you. How many of you, if somebody invited you out for coffee, you don't like coffee, you'd be like, I'm going, I'll go anyways. I'll find something to drink or eat. Okay, everybody likes coffee apparently, so scratch that question. All right, take them out for a cup of coffee. I have never yet met someone and asked them to go out for coffee and then decline. All right, I never have. Even people that don't like coffee, it's like, well, I'll find something. It's more about time together. It's more about hanging out together. Take them out for coffee. That's a simple way to serve someone. Number two, and I saw some of you that shot your hand up like that. Okay, mark down those people. Jamie, I saw you over there. Like, man, hand through the roof. Um, that is how you serve people. Here's number two. Write a note of encouragement. I, for some of you, I don't know when the last time you actually put pen to paper. It's probably been a while, right? It's easier to put your thumbs to a screen. But write a note of encouragement. If you've ever received a note in the mail or in your lunch or anywhere, like if you've just received a note from somebody that's encouraging, I'm telling you, there may be nothing more powerful than just a simple note of encouragement that you would take the time to write something on a piece of paper. I mean, who does that anymore, right? If you would just write a note of encouragement, um, that's an awesome thing. Maybe that's a way that you serve your one. And, and the idea here is these things aren't that hard, but they're intentional. They're intentional. They take time and thought and care. Uh, number three, here's the third idea. Hand out notes of encouragement to those who serve you at grocery stores or restaurants, etc., letting them know they are prayed for and loved by Jesus. Now, this is one of those where you're like, I would never give a note to a cashier or a server, okay? Um, but I'm telling you, I, I used to, I was at one point a server um, in a restaurant, and um, you know, the worst kind of tip is when somebody gives you a tract about Jesus. It's like a hundred dollar bill folded up and you like open it up and you're like, you jerk. This is not a hundred dollar tip. This is something about Jesus. And that what's supposed to be good news is all of a sudden like curse words to you. You know what I'm saying? But if you wrote a note, I've had people like write on the receipt, like encouraging thing about like, thanks for like your service. And thanks for, um, thanks for the way that you served us. Something simple like that. I'm just telling you it was encouraging because we're used to not getting encouragement. We're used to hearing complaints and all these things. What if you just wrote a note of encouragement to somebody who serves you? Um, that would be a cool thing. So that's, that's one way that you could serve others. Number four, or serve your one. Number four, send a text asking how you can pray for them. Have you ever had somebody just text you out of the blue and say, hey, how can I pray for you? I'm thinking about you. Um, if you haven't, man, it's a powerful thing just to know somebody's thinking about you. Somebody wants to pray for you. They're not trying to get something from you. They just care about you. And, and I promise you, there's, I, I would be doubtful that there's any person on earth, whether they believe in God or not, that if you said, how can, can, I, how can I pray for you? Would say, uh, I don't believe in prayer, so nothing. Everyone's like, I may not believe in God, but if you're praying and your God is real, I could use all the prayers I can get, right? How can I pray for you? That's an incredibly powerful way to serve someone. Here's, a, here's another idea. Drop off a gift card at your one's door or mail it to him and leave him a handwritten note explaining why you did it, okay? Does gifts speak to anyone in the room? Like, you will take a gift, you will take a gift card. Man, I love, and I'm not fishing for gift cards although I will take them. Um, everyone loves gifts, right? Proverbs even talks about that. Man, people respond to gifts um, because it's a way to show love and care. So 
drop off a gift card. Um, that's a great thing, okay? That's, that's another idea. Number six, here's another idea. Type up a note saying you're offering to help your neighbors in any way they need. Leave it on their mailboxes or on their doors. Offer to do yard work, run errands, etc. Ask for prayer requests. Put contact information on the note. This is more kind of tailored to like COVID-19, right? We're not going to make contact, but we're going to leave notes. We're going we're gonna to try to let our neighbors know that we're available. So maybe that's something that you would look at in your neighborhood or with your neighbors that you would want to do as a way to serve, like no strings attached. Here's, here's one final kind of idea. Anytime the Lord puts your one on your mind, take the time to pray for them. Then send them a text or direct message them to let them know you've been praying for them and ask how they're doing. I feel like for me, this is probably the most natural one that, you know, when, when, when God puts someone on like my mind just out of nowhere, uh, I feel like that's a, a prompt from the Holy Spirit to say, like, pray for this person. Um, but how powerful is it to receive a text that was like, God put you on my heart. I'm praying for you. I love you. Is there anything I can pray for you about? I'm telling you, that's incredibly simple. How many times does God put somebody on your mind and you're just like, why did I randomly think about so-and-so while I was driving down the road? Maybe that's an opportunity for you to pray for them. And then after you pull over later on, you text them and say, hey, God brought you to mind. I'm praying for you. How are you doing? All right, so those are really simple ways to serve others. And there's a million different ways, but the idea is to be thinking and to be looking for opportunities to be the hands and feet of Jesus. So before I even open my mouth to talk about Jesus to them, they've seen Jesus incarnate in the flesh through my life and the way that I serve them and love them. And so that's the idea here is to serve our ones. Well, I want to I want to move into the story from one of our own. Lisa Stockdale is actually in the room with us, and you know, last week after we revisited this idea of who's your one, 2020, and we did this series last year. Lisa sends us a message, and uh, she said, "Oh man, I never got to share the story about my one from 2019," and so she shared it with us. And uh, man, we we're so excited to hear and celebrate what God has done. And so uh, I said, hey, could we, could we share that story? And I meant to bring her up to share it, but she went home and recorded a video and said, here you go. Now, <laughs> she said, I'm, I'd come up gladly, but I watched this the other day and I was like, man, this, this is amazing. Let's just, let's, let's roll the video, we'll, we'll go with it. Um, and so I wanna, I wanna introduce you to Lisa Stockdale and her story about finding her one. So check this out. Hi. When I shared my story of finding my one with Annette and Andrew, they asked me to share it with you. And so I jotted down a few notes and thought about what I wanted to say. But I really thought that before I could share that, I had to at least go back a little bit and talk about how I used to be someone's one. Um, my grandmother, Evelyn Spradley, who's also my namesake, is the reason why I'm a Christian today. I saw it in her daily life when I went to visit, and I knew that she 
lived and loved her Lord. She lived just down the road in Elgin, and my dad was stationed at Fort Bragg, and so we lived in Fayetteville, and about once a month we would visit Grandma, sometimes more in the summer and on breaks, but I knew that if I was going to Grandma's house, I better have my Sunday clothes because she went to church Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and Wednesday night. Um, and I know that that is where the seed started because I know that my grandmother prayed for me and that I was her one. When my dad retired from the Army and chose Camden to live, we, we moved here and I was... I, I registered at Camden Middle School in the eighth grade, and some friends of mine invited me to First Baptist Church, and so I started going to their youth group. Now, I'm just going to be honest. There were some cute boys in the youth group, and so I really liked going, but I also loved the camaraderie and the fun that we had, and I had an older friend who was already driving and so oftentimes I would ride with her and then she and I started going on Sunday mornings to Camden First Baptist to their to their um, services and I remember really well the morning that God spoke to my heart and I just knew I am gonna go up during the invitation I'm gonna go up and for those of you who know Camden First Baptist, that's a big church. And those aisles are really long, especially if you're walking down them toward the front. But just like Andrew said at the end of the service, there really was a celebration. I shook hands with people I'd never met, and people rejoiced in my decision to become a Christian and accept the Lord. But... I didn't tell my parents right away um, because as moral of a household as I grew up in, and I did have rules, and I, I grew up in a very loving home, I only remember going to, to church a couple of times, um, but my dad is an 82nd Airborne paratrooper or was. He's a Vietnam vet. I still say yes sir, no sir, and sometimes feel like I ought to ask to be excused from the table. I grew up in a great home, but church just wasn't part of it. So I didn't share that immediately with my parents when I um, accepted Christ. And even when I was baptized one Wednesday evening and, and came home, they were watching TV when I walked in and dad said, why is your hair wet? And I said, well, I was baptized tonight. And then I went upstairs to my bedroom. Um, so considering the that my brother and I grew up in the same house under the same rules with the same parents, he and I chose completely different paths. My big brother, Claus, just tended to gravitate toward trouble. He just had a knack for finding it. And my memories of him growing up include him wrecking a car, um, running away from home, experimenting with drugs and alcohol, spending a little bit of time in jail. He just tended to push boundaries. And whenever we would have conversations about 
church and Jesus and the Lord and where we go when we die, Claus would say things like, look, you're going to be really disappointed because we're all going to be worm food. And oftentimes to that, I would say, no, I mean, you're wrong. You're going to be disappointed because we're not going to be worm food and you're not going to be in heaven. But don't get me wrong. He has one of the biggest hearts you'd ever want to meet, want to be around. He um, taught me to tie my shoes. He taught me. He spent the whole day um, chasing around uh, my bike, holding on to the back seat of my banana bike. Um, taught me to how to ride my bike. And I just love him dearly. But when, so last year when Andrew asked us to find our one, I immediately thought of Claus. But I didn't really have a lot of faith that um, that would happen. I, I, I doubted. Sometimes, to be honest, when, when I prayed, I, I just couldn't imagine that that would be a decision that he would make. Um, but um, I just kept on praying anyway. And he started having trouble. and uh, He started having pain in his left leg. Now, mind you, years ago, he had had a motorcycle accident, a terrible motorcycle accident, and he broke both of his femurs. He broke his tibia and his uh, fibula. Um, he spent five months in the hospital. In fact, his wife, who was pregnant at the time, had to move in with my parents, and when she went into labor with their child, they wheeled claws into the labor delivery room so he could be at the birth of his own child and the baby went home before he did. We, we were astonished that he made it um, because he could have easily died in that motorcycle accident. But he did recuperate from that and he earned his CDL and he became a truck driver, which he is still today. So, um, when he came over one evening in um, May, he was complaining about his left leg, his good leg. And he pulled up his pants leg and he showed me, and his calf was huge. And I didn't know what that meant. I had supper ready. I fed him and told him that he needed to elevate his leg when he got home. Luckily, he went to his daughter's, and she's a nurse. And she told him to go to urgent care right away, which he did. And they sent him to Kershaw Health. Kershaw Health sent him by ambulance to uh, Richland Memorial, which is now Prisma Health Richland, I guess. And they diagnosed him with a deep vein thrombosis. He had a blood clot from his um, thigh to his foot. And so they put him on blood thinners for a couple of days and now this is during the COVID which we're still in COVID but this is when we had COVID restrictions and so no one could go see him. He had a lot of time to think and he had a lot of time alone and he pretty much burned up the phone um, talking to different family members and so we got an opportunity to talk a lot 
and he was scared. I could tell he was scared. And so the evening before his scheduled surgery, I stepped out of my comfort zone and I asked him if he wanted to pray. I was really surprised because he said he did. So I prayed for God to protect him and guide the hands of the doctors, but I didn't ask him if he wanted to accept the Lord or if he wanted to make that decision. And as soon as we hung up the phone, I had regretted it, but I didn't want to push. I didn't know how far to push or if I should. And and so instead, I texted him the believer's prayer and texted him the message that if he was ready, if he was ever ready to talk to God, that God was waiting on him and he would listen. So I got a call the next morning and I was a little surprised because his surgery was supposed to be really early, like 6 a.m., and it had been postponed until the afternoon. And I said, are you worried? And he said, yeah, a little bit. But, you know, I think I'm good. I think I'm good. Um, I said that believer's prayer about six times last night to make sure that it would take. And I said, I'm so happy for you. That's wonderful. But six times? Why did you say it so many times? And he said, well, you told me that God knows everything about me. And if God knows everything about me, I have a hard time believing that he would want me. I just want to make sure that it took. And I said, Claus, he wants you. <laughs> he wants you. Just take baby steps and talk to him. And he will make the changes in your life as he needs to just walk with him so he had his embolectomy he did just fine and when he got out of the hospital he went to um he went home but then that sunday he went to his daughters and she and her husband and family are members at radiate church with megan and brandon goff and he watched their service that sunday and just to make it official, <laughs> accepted Christ publicly with his daughter. And after church, I saw her Instagram post, and it says, Come on, somebody, give God praise. Woohoo! My dad just accepted Christ during this experience. He's here watching it with us this morning. Best text. <laughs> So, <laughs> I guess reflecting on this whole experience, because of Andrew's message Sunday, I hadn't even thought about the fact that my brother was my one. He was my one. And I, I think about Matthew 17, 20. It talks about having faith of a mustard seed, the size of a mustard seed. When I started praying for him, that's all I had. I couldn't have believed that I could change his heart. 
But then I realized that's not my job. God wants me and you to pray for our one and then let him do the changing. So I want to encourage you as you're finding your one or your two, <laughs> but as you're finding that one person that you're going to pray for and as you're praying for them, just do what you can and pray and know that God will do the changing, that he will do that work. All he asks is for us to do what we can and do our part. So thank you for letting me share my story. And I look forward to hearing your stories about your one. That's good, amen. Lisa, thank you for sharing your story. And you did more than just pray. You stepped out of your comfort zone and you served him. You said, how can I pray for you? And so I want to encourage you all. This is what God has called us to do. And the, 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 he hit at the core of the gospel, which is if God knew everything about me, if God knows everything there is to know about me, why in the world would he still want me? Like, do you ever imagine that if God knows everything about me, why would he want me? Why would he love me? And the good news of the gospel is that he does. He does. And we get to, we get to share that good news with others. And we can pray for them and, and serve them and give them the good news that will change their lives. And so I want to ask you all to do something. If you would grab this card um, that's on your table, on your chair, or next to you. It's, it's in two parts. There's a tear-off part there. There's, there's another Bible reading plan. We, we kind of did this last year, the 30-day reading plan, which you can do if you want. But I just want to ask you to tear off that top part that says, who's your one? And it has a blank line for a name. And so I want to say this. If you have your one, if God has already put it on your heart, you know who your one is, would you write down either their first name or their initials? And in just a moment, we're gonna, we're gonna stand and have a time of response. And I wanna ask you to put your one, to lay, to lay your one at the altar and to give it to God. And to give your one to the Lord and then we would begin to pray over all of our ones. And then in that time, I'd ask you to come and drop off that name and maybe you wanna pray for your one, pray that God would use you to serve, to empower you to serve and to love your one that their hearts would be receptive over these next few months and years and however long it takes for God to change their heart. But you know, maybe this morning you don't yet have a one and I'm gonna say, that's okay. Keep praying, keep asking the Lord. And I wanna ask you to do me a favor. If you don't have your one, if you would take this card and bring it up to the altar and pray, Lord, would you fill in the blank for me? Because I want you to use me. So would you give me one, one person that, that you would use me to reach out to, to serve and to love? And so I want to ask you all to stand. And I'm going to pray. And as we get, begin to, to sing here in a moment, I want you to bring your one to the altar and put it at the foot of the cross. 
And Lord Jesus, today, thank you for this amazing story that we've heard. And Lord, I know for every single one of us that knows you, Lord, we were at one time the one that you left the 99 to seek and to save. And Lord, now we get the opportunity to go after other lost ones. And Lord, I just I pray that you would that you would give each of us the one that you want to use us in their life to reach. God, would you help us? We want to we want to lay these names, we want to lay these souls at your feet, knowing that you love them more than we ever could, and that you are the one who does the work of drawing them to you. You are the one who does the work of changing hearts and revealing your goodness and your glory and your power to others. And so, Lord, we ask that you would you would use us to do this. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we're going to open it up as we sing, Would You Come?